Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat. This is the podcast where the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office chats with Northwest faculty, staff, students, alumni, and friends to hear about their career journeys, how they got to where they are, and how they became Bearcats. I'm Northwest Internship Coordinator Travis Klein. And I'm Hannah Christian, the Director of Career Services here at Northwest. And today's guest on our show is... Hello, I'm Allison Hanner. And I am currently the Director of Development and Public Relations for Bidwell Riverside Center in Hawthorne Hill, uh, two nonprofits in Des Moines, Iowa, who work with families and children experiencing poverty. And we have a couple of different programs that kind of help them on their journey to self-sufficiency. Awesome intro. I would like to take credit for that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But now we can reveal, Allison, like... Truly, how did we get you on this podcast? Well, Allison and I go back a long ways, but uh, before she became the director of development, she was the GA here in career services. So that's our little behind the scenes secret. Actually, before uh, she became the GA of career services, I would like to take credit for this too. I hired Allison uh, (laughs) in the library as my social media assistant. So welcome, Allison. We are super happy to have you on the podcast. And we cannot wait to chat and catch up and hear about what's going on. You kind of gave us a little bit of an overview. Can you tell us what does a director of development and public relations do? So what are you doing on a daily basis? Well, I think that's one of the things I like most about my job is that there's not one typical day. I wear a whole lot of different hats. So I handle all of the fundraising, public relations, grant writing, event planning, some of the day-to-day operations around the office. So there's just a whole lot of different things happening. And I think that's one of the great things about working at a smaller nonprofit is you get a lot of different types of experience and types of responsibility. Were you interested in working at a nonprofit when you left college? Like, can you kind of give us a little bit of your journey from here at Northwest all the way through like getting your job that you have now? So I started out as just a public relations major. um, And then about halfway through my junior year, I realized I was going to graduate early and I didn't really want to do that. Uh, So I added the organizational communication major and stuck with that all the way through and then kind of decided that I wasn't really ready to be done with college. So I decided to stick around and I got my master's in business administration and marketing. Throughout those five years, I counted them all up before I went on this podcast. I had nine different internships or part-time jobs, kind of all dealing with different aspects of public relations and event planning and just different types of businesses. And so I knew I wanted to end up at a place where I felt like I was doing the good work and making a difference. So I don't know if I would necessarily say nonprofit right away, but I'm so happy that this is where I ended up. Um, I love my job a lot. And so it's very exciting to be able to go into work and be excited about what you're going to do and who you're going to help. Nine internships. That's impressive. So (laughs) internships and jobs. So kind of walk us through some of those. What what were some of the things that you did as a student? I was very involved on campus. I was involved in eight different organizations and had a leadership position in six. So I think that was really key to my success, learning those kind of soft skills and those leadership skills that you can't really learn in a classroom. That was really important. But then also my first internship was in between my sophomore and my junior year. And that was with a chamber of commerce up in Iowa. Uh, And that was great. They really kind of just said, here's this problem. Here's what you can do to solve it. 
and like they let me run with it. So that was amazing to kind of have that responsibility at what was I 19. And I also worked with a local library there too on one of their events. And so going into my junior year, then that's when Hannah had posted the social media assistant position for the library. I think I walked in on like the second day of school and introduced myself and shook her hand. And I was like, I would like this job. And then she brought me in for an interview and the rest is kind of history. Stellar portfolio, I might add, because (laughs) Allison had documented, this is a key point, like Allison had documented everything that she had done in those two previous positions. So she had graphics and it was a paper portfolio. Mm -hmm. I mean, I very, very much remember like she had graphics, she had data on what she'd done. She had, it was all put together. She had, she was telling stories about how her experience, like what she'd learned. So very impressive as far as putting together (laughs) something that was market marketing yourself really. Right. Yes. And that social media portfolio, I've never had to make for another job before, but I always include it on all of my application materials and it's on my LinkedIn. And I've had almost every internship or job interview that was specifically for social media, make a comment about how much they appreciated that and how much they got from that. So thanks for having me do that. So yeah, if you're listening to this and you're in any sort of social media or any kind of media or anything where you're creating these deliverables for your internship, save that, turn it into a portfolio. Like it can be very useful for you, like well into your career. It doesn't just have to be, you know, once you get out of college. Yes. And do that while you're still, you know, in the midst of it and you still have access to all of the accounts. Cause whenever, you know, you eventually get kicked off, it's very hard to go back and find that like one or two viral posts that really did well. So <laughs> the sooner you can do it, the better. We had some viral posts at the library. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. so tell, oh, let's talk yes. about our viral posts. Well, I got into a meme war one time with UCM That was fun. There was a lot of like weird, you know, social media trends that were happening. And I think we were like one of the first to kind of jump on them. And you kind of let me just run with it. You were like, Allison, whatever you think's fine. And I was like, oh, okay, let's try this. Um, That was good. We made. Are you talking about the Dr. J Snowman or? Yes. So the Dr. J Snowman, but then also the music video. I still get that song stuck in my head occasionally. We, okay, Travis, I'm sure that's on is that's on YouTube somewhere, right? We got a link to that. Okay, note to self, <laughs> Travis, linking that up in the top because that music video was fire. That was fire. It was quality, quality content. I will, <laughs> I will try and find it and link to it. Then, yes. <laughs> we were going forward. So social media assistant in the library. I kind of interrupted you. Go ahead. Um, my other job, my junior year, and then also into my senior year, I was an account executive with student media. So I sold print, radio, and television ads for student media. And I didn't really love that job, but I was fairly decent at it. But I think I've talked about that job in almost every single interview that I've ever had because having that direct sales experience and then going into marketing, you kind of get both aspects of it. So like marketing, public relations, it's very much kind of the soft sell, the pre-work before you're actually making the ask. So it was very interesting to be in that position of, you know, you're meeting face-to-face with these business owners and you're trying to convince them as a 19 or 20-year-old that what you're selling is important to them. And that's like skills you can't really replicate in the classroom. So getting out and getting those experiences were very, very helpful. And then, oh my goodness, I feel like I'm going to have to pull up my LinkedIn. So 
The summer between junior year and senior year, I had an internship with Iowa Finance Authority. So that was working within the Iowa government, which um, I really liked. They let me do a lot and I got to kind of see working at a bigger organization statewide, how they're enacting policies. And something that was really important with that internship was learning how to take this really complicated financial jargon and translating it and writing it in a way that like the everyday Iowan can understand. That was a very important skill that I think I still use to this day. Making sure that your audience knows what you're saying is very important. And then senior year, I still was employed as an account executive and with the library as a social media assistant. And then I got a week-long internship with the Fraternity Communications Association. And so that was really cool. They paid for my flight out to North Carolina to help out with the communications conference for all of these different fraternity and sorority professionals. So that was great. At that time, that was my dream job. I wanted to work for a national headquarters of a sorority. That didn't pan out, but that's okay. So just networking with all of them, seeing how they all work. That was awesome. And I got to, you know, fly out to North Carolina for free. So that was cool. I really am going to pull up my LinkedIn because I can't remember (laughs) the other ones. How did you decide? So you said you weren't ready to graduate, right? You still wanted Mm -hmm. to go to school. How did you decide to do an MBA? Communication and MBA seem to be very different aspects of like work. Yes. So that was also quite an interesting time in my life. It was very stressful. So I really, at that point, Northwest was coming out with this, I think it was a strategic communications graduate degree, but it was an all online program. So I was interested in that. But at the same time, they didn't really have all the specifics figured out. And I didn't really know if I wanted to be in the middle of all that. I wasn't ready to be done with college, but I also wasn't ready to spend like three years working through that. So I kind of explored the idea of an MBA and looked into what the classes would be like and how it would be going from the School of Communication to the School of Business. And there is a transitional class that I had to take to like cover all the prerequisites. And it was pretty difficult going from the School of Communication to the School of Business, but it really worked out well. It was a challenge for me, grad school was. Um, My undergrad, not that it was easy, but it certainly was nothing like grad school. That was That was a fun time, but I just knew that I probably would eventually want to have some type of graduate degree. I wanted to end up in some type of leadership role. And once you get a degree, no one can take that away from you. It's going to be with you for the rest of your life. So just looking at kind of the financial aspects of it too, getting a graduate assistant position really made a lot of sense. You basically get your degree for free. So that's what I did. Did you check out LinkedIn? Did you find what you were looking for? Yes, I did. (laughs) Okay. Yes. In the spring semester of my senior year, after I had added the organizational communication major, I needed a second internship for that one. So I worked in the Greek Life office as a Greek Life communication intern. There was just updating the website, kind of coordinating Greek gala stuff. At that time, that's when I wanted to work in um, higher education or in a fraternity or sororities national headquarters. So it was a good experience for me then. Now it's not as applicable, but um, still worth it in my opinion. How'd you get to career services? So you said a graduate yes. assistantship was a great uh, opportunity, but how did you find that? And how did you go about like, I mean, did you walk in and shake hands and be like, hi, I'm Alice <laughs> Here's my great portfolio, right? 
first, before you get, you know, excited about applying for graduate assistant positions, you first need to be accepted into graduate school. Important step. Uh, so I think I took the GRE, like, uh, Thanksgiving break of my senior year. And that test was very difficult. It is not, I'm usually pretty good at standardized tests, but it is just brutal. But took that, got accepted, I think, like, in January. So I knew I was good to go. But the interviews for graduate assistant positions don't happen till like, late March, maybe early April, mid April. So that was a lot of sitting around and waiting and hoping like, okay, I'm going to sign a lease, I'm going to, you know, make plans to be here for grad school, but I'm not going to do this if I have to pay the full price. So I applied to I think almost every single graduate assistant position and a lot of them are just like higher level administrative work. But what made me excited about career services was the fact that I would get to work with events and I would have some control over marketing and social media and stuff. So that really fell into what I wanted to do. And working in an office where you get to learn how to help people make their resumes and cover letters, like that kind of seems like a no brainer that you would want to be an expert at that because you're going to be doing that in a year or so whenever you're done with school. So that was really helpful for me. And I still enjoy helping people with their resumes. I think I'm the go-to resume gal for all my friends. So it's still something I like to do. It's also very rewarding. I feel like we talk about all the time we get to celebrate with every student. Everybody, you know, loves making their resume, like they're, they're pursuing a new opportunity, kind of graduating, getting a new start on things. And so we're just every day, we're like celebrating wins, celebrating wins. <laughs> we don't have to ask anyone for money or give them Fs or anything negative like that. <laughs> yes, you're all the fun. <laughs> and not only do we get to celebrate, we get to teach them how to celebrate themselves in the future, how to, how to advocate for themselves, how to talk about their experience. You know, that's a, a skill that you don't learn through life, but it's really important that you have to be able to say, I can do this. This experience taught me how to do that. You know, just in your answer to that question, you're telling us, you know, all the things you learned that helped you get to where you are. And that's such an important skill that there's no class for that in college. And maybe we need to fix that in the future. But, you know, I think that <laughs> Travis, that's a really valuable a thing. <laughs> no, I, I don't have the master's. So. <laughs> so how did you get to your current position? So I finished grad school in June. At that point in grad school, I was also had a part-time job waitressing and bartending. And so I stayed in Maryville. I subleased my current room and I stayed until August. And I just kind of enjoyed not, you know, being in class and not working my butt off all the time. And that's when I was applying for jobs and I would take a couple of days off and go up to Des Moines and interview like at three or four places and then come back down to Maryville and work. And it worked out really well because I had the time to put together these really nice applications that were well thought out. I wasn't trying to scramble to do it all at the end. That gets so stressful when you have finals and you know you're approaching this major milestone in your life of graduating college and leaving all your friends behind. And it was awesome to be able to kind of like draw that process out. I may have drawn it out a little bit too far. I ended up having to move in with my parents for a month and that was quite an experience, but um, that was really great for me. So I was pretty picky when I was interviewing. I knew what I was bringing to the table and I had worked really hard to not be a typical entry-level candidate. And so I, there was a lot of interviews, which is great experience. I don't think you can ever interview too much um, and just learning how to talk about yourself and how to interact with other people. 
all great experiences. So I wasn't looking specifically for nonprofit jobs, but I don't even remember where I saw this job at. I think probably Indeed. And at first I was a little scared because it's director of development and public relations. Like that doesn't sound like a typical entry-level job, but they were asking for three to five years of experience. And with all my internships and different things, um, I had three years of experience. So I qualified um, and they brought me into interview and it went really well. And I really liked my boss. And there was a couple board members in on the interview too. And I really liked talking with them and things kind of clicked. I wasn't as excited at first, but um, after about that first month, I was like, oh, this is something I want to do. I enjoy doing. And yeah, I love it. You talk about things clicking, right? So did they not click in your other interviews? I know you said you were picky, but what were the, some of the things maybe that you helped you determine that this was the right position versus another position? A couple other interviews, it was kind of the culture I wasn't quite sure about. Um, there was one in like really small town, Iowa, and it just, they took me on a tour of this manufacturing plant. And I was like, I just don't think that this is where I want to end up. This is just not going to go well for me. So that one was kind of an immediate no. I had another one where they talked about how for the first couple hours of every day, they just don't talk to their coworkers. They just sit and do data entry. And that was not my cup of tea <laughs> at all. I'm like, I want to be able to talk to people. I want to be able to, you know, be myself. And data entry is just never fun, no matter where you're at. But I think that one was also a temporary position that could maybe turn into a full-time position. So I didn't even really want to mess with that. And then another one, I was super excited about them. They were a company that I had been watching a long time. I had applied for internships there for both summers. And then the hiring manager had remembered me from one of those interviews. And I was really excited, but then kind of the way they handled the job offer kind of spoke volumes about the type of company they were and how they treat their employees. So I think I definitely dodged a bullet there, Um, but that was kind of rough to go from being so excited about this specific company to kind of thinking, oh, they're not what I thought they were. And so it all worked out really well with Bidwell and Hawthorne Hill here. I always tell people, and I feel like you're one of the greatest examples of this. When you're in an interview, you are interviewing them as much as they are interviewing you. So you have just as much leverage. Ultimately, if they make you an offer, you're the one who holds all the cards, right? So it's your chance to ask questions, to find out about the culture, to find out about those things that, you know, you thought you knew about this company, but maybe you really didn't know about them. We've had our share of candidates and we ask them at the end, you know, do you have any questions for us? And often people don't have questions or, you know, they'll ask a couple of questions. This is the chance for you to ask 25 questions, really dig down into the meat and the heart of what's going on here. And so never take that for granted (laughs) because, you know, Having those interviews and asking those questions is a huge part of the job search process, I think. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I think you were really smart, too, to not be in a hurry. We see a lot of students who that graduation date's approaching that they got to hit that line or else we got to move in with mom and dad. So I got to get a job. And then it's the interview becomes I got to get seven out of 10 questions right or they I won't pass and they won't hire me. You didn't do that to yourself. You gave yourself time. You allowed yourself to be picky. And I think 
the maturity to do that is, is rare in a student, but I think it's re it's really smart way to do it because it is, you, you, if you're not going to fit with them as a culture, you know, like you said, that, that one company you were jazzed about until you kind of saw behind the curtain and then like, no, this doesn't fit. Like that's more graduates need to do that. We need to take a more kind of mature approach to it that this isn't me begging for a job. And the first one that puts something in my hand is the one I take. It's really I have this to offer you. What are you offering me? Do we, can we come to an agreement together and ask those questions? And yeah, don't put yourself in such a time rush because I think, you know, you, you had to live with mom and dad for a month, but I bet that month <laughs> was a lot better than having a job for six months that you would have hated and had to find a way out of. So exactly, exactly. And then had to go live with mom and dad for a year. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And they are great. You know, yes, I don't want, they're probably going to listen to this. And I, you know, I appreciate them you know, taking the time and letting me move back in. But yes, I agree. And just not putting that extra pressure on yourself on top of a already very, very stressful time when you're leaving college. If you have the financial means or the setup to be able to just hang out and live the college life for a couple extra months and take the time and put together really nice quality applications, I think it's so worth it. Yeah, I think that's the key too. Two keys. One, you prepared for the three or four years prior to that in a way that many students don't. And number two, you did take the time. You weren't just partying or laying around for those couple of months, right? You were yes. doing the research. You were putting the time and effort. You were reaching out to people, if I remember correctly, like maybe oh, making yeah. those phone calls. So putting the work in, so you, you put the work in for a couple of months to be able to have some high quality materials when you were going into those interviews. Mm -hmm, exactly. So let's flip back to what you do now. So when you started, what was the change from going from college student to professional? I'm always very interested in how yes. that change went. What did you learn? What were some of the surprising things? Did you make any big mistakes? I'm always a big fan of that question. I think when I was working in grad school, first I was in school full time. I was working 20 hours a week at career services. And then I was also working like 20, sometimes 30 hours a week, um, waitressing or bartending. And so going from that to working like only 40 hours a week, it was like a breath of fresh air. Like <laughs> it wasn't, you know, like super easy, but like it wasn't as hard as everyone makes it out to be. But maybe I also kind of set myself up for success there. It's very interesting coming in as a new person as a, I was 24 when I got this job and I was like immediately on the leadership team here um, and just kind of working to navigate that. And also um, this position was only created like two years prior. So it's not like we had a long line of this is what this position does and this is what you should be doing every day. It was kind of uh, here's what was done in the past, but nothing set in stone. If you want to you know, change up a few things or um, change how you do things, like feel free. And my boss has been really great. He is very, what do you think we should do, Allison? How do you think we should handle this? And I'll give him an option. And sometimes he'll say yes right away. Sometimes he'll, you know, want to think it over, but very much willing to trust me and let me kind of have control over our public relations and fundraising strategy. So I really like that. But then also the other aspect of it, I've never worked in a fundraising position before. So learning how to go about that. And seeing kind of the parallels between doing that direct selling that I was doing at student media to kind of making the more soft asks. When you're selling something, you have a product you can directly give the customer. They know what they're getting. 
But when you're trying to get someone to donate to your organization, there's no direct product. So you got to figure out what they want to hear. Do they want to hear the numbers about how great we're doing year to year? Do they want to hear a personal story from a client? Do they want to see a cute kid that we help? Like there's so many different things and just kind of navigating that and trying new things um, has been very interesting. How did COVID affect your job? I would imagine trying to fundraise during you know, quarantine was probably difficult. So how, how did how did you handle that? I think things kind of started shutting down mid-March. And we actually had one of our biggest fundraisers of the year planned for mid-April. So that was very stressful. Um, we put that on pause for a couple months and then eventually went to a virtual fundraising format in July of that year. And I kind of saw COVID as an opportunity for us because there was so much heightened awareness of how this is going to affect people living in poverty. We had one of our busiest marches, I think, in the history of Bidwell at the food and clothing pantry. And I had every major news station in Iowa out at our campus. And it's hard to quantify this, but we had a major increase in donors. So we're assuming that's from that increased media coverage, which is great. But again, hard to tell. It could just be that people wanted to help and our name popped up. But that was very rewarding to kind of see that. Well, just to see that you got media coverage and you got news stations to come out to your organization. I take that as a personal win every single time (laughs) that happens because it is hard to get them out and get them, you know, wanting to cover your stories. But that was exciting. Uh, But I worked from home for from mid-March to mid-July. And that was interesting. I liked working from home, but then you just miss those interactions with everyone. And you kind of miss what's happening if you're not, you know, like over communicating. So I'm happy to be back in the office and back to -to day-to-day stuff. Words of advice words of wisdom. I think my biggest piece of advice is getting involved on campus. I think that's where I learned a lot of my skills, not all of them, but being in leadership, leadership positions, learning how to work with a variety of different people and how all those different personalities interact with each other. um, That's something intangible that you just can't teach in a classroom. But kind of on that same note, have more than one internship. Too many people kind of get bogged down with Not every degree requires an internship, but I think, you know, people just kind of see it as a box to check off rather than as an opportunity. Almost every single person applying for the jobs that you are also has a college degree. A college degree is not enough to be able to stand out to these recruiters and these employers. I really think having as many different experiences and internships and leadership positions that you can is just going to set you above the competition, because really, that's what it is. It's a competition about, you know, who's going to get this job, who has a better resume, who's standing out more. So just kind of figuring out what's your edge above the competition? Is it that you have a great GPA? Are you involved in a bunch of different organizations? Are you leading a large organization? There's all sorts of different kind of avenues you can take. And that's what you talk about in your interviews. That's what makes you memorable to employers. Very solid advice. Yep. Thank you so much, Allison. Cool. Thanks for having me, guys. This is fun. All right. Well, that will do it for another episode of Behind the Bearcat, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>